The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome veterans and active service members, especially those of you who are tuning in from remote locations over the Internet today. And also, new listeners who are tuning in on affiliates in Texas, Ohio, New York, Florida, California, and throughout all 50 states. In just a moment, former governor of Arizona, Ms. Jan Brewer, will be joining the program to talk about the tough stance her state took on immigration and the decision to erect a fence along the southern border of the state. Immigration is a hot issue this election, so it's time to check in with a state and a governor who took a no-tolerance position on illegal immigrants. But before Ms. Brewer joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about her background. Janice K. Drinkwine was born in Hollywood, California, and grew up in Nevada and the Los Angeles area. After marrying John Brewer, she relocated to her husband's home state, where she lived in Phoenix, Glendale, and the Deer Valley section of Arizona. Mrs. Brewer served in the Arizona House of Representatives from 83 to 87 before joining the Arizona Senate, where she served until 1997. And from 97 to 2003, she was a member of the Board of Supervisors for Maricopa County. Then in 2002, Brewer threw her hat in the ring for Secretary of State for Arizona, and true to form, she emerged victorious. While serving as Secretary of State, Governor Janet Napolitano was selected by President Obama to assume the role of Secretary of Homeland Security in his cabinet. In the state of Arizona, a vacancy in the governorship is filled by the Secretary of State, so Brewer was sworn in as governor in 2009. And in 2010, she ran for and won the governor's position, earning 55% of the vote. Brewer was a popular governor, largely owing to her stance on Arizona's SB 1070 legislation, otherwise known as the Support Our Law Enforcement and Safe Neighborhoods. SB 1070 made it a crime for illegal immigrants not to produce alien registration documents when asked by law enforcement, and we're going to hear more about that later in today's program. In spite of her track record, the Arizona Constitution prohibited Brewer from running for another term as governor. So since stepping down last year, Brewer has been playing an active role in Republican leadership. I also want to add that there is a lot of buzz circulating among political pundits about the likelihood that Jan Brewer is at the top of Donald Trump's list for a vice presidential running mate. And we'll find out if there's any substance to those rumors as well in the next hour. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report, former governor of Arizona, Miss Jan Brewer. Thank you for joining us today, Miss Brewer. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm uh, I'm very appreciative, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're happy to have you. So I thought uh, for our, some of our listeners who might not be familiar with Arizona politics in particular, uh, maybe we could start our conversation today with why you felt it was important to take such a strong stand on immigration. Uh, what were conditions like in Arizona? Well, Arizona had suffered more than any other of the states that are on the border from our nation's broken borders. And so and I thought that I better stand up and fight for the people of Arizona. I took an oath to uphold the Constitution and the laws of Arizona, and um, I moved forward with it and uh, fought really, really hard to uh, get something done. You know, Texas and California, their borders are pretty well secured, but Arizona became um, what we would refer to as the gateway down in the Tucson sector uh, with um, illegal immigrants coming into our country. 
uh, which were costing us a fortune. And then we had the drug cartels we had to deal with that filtered through Arizona into all the other states, uh, which created uh, huge uh, issues in Arizona. Uh, Off the top of my head, I will tell you, it was the crime that was alarming. And the drop houses and the extortion and the sex trafficking. And if they were arrested, it was the incarceration. Um, People on the southern end of our border, they were uh, extremely distraught, uh, you know, being very guarded, uh, walking around with protection with them at all times, not letting their kids wait for the school bus because of the illegal activity was taken. And then when uh, we had the shooting of the farmer down there, that, that the rancher that uh, had lived there for hundreds of years, uh, that was the straw that broke the back. And so I went to the legislature, and the bill had been tossed around and and um, amended and, you know, um, debated. And so we went down from my office, and we tried to clean it up and make it so that it would work. We tried to mirror it to the federal law, and uh, that's exactly what we did. And I signed it, and the rest is history. Well, it is. Now, as you know, uh, so much about SB 1070 was misreported and misrepresented by the media, uh, even going so far as to claim it that it gave legal permission for law enforcement to conduct racial profiling and pull any person who had the appearance of being a foreigner aside and demand paperwork. For listeners today who have that impression, would you mind explaining what the current laws in Arizona do and do not allow when it comes to immigration enforcement? Well, uh, on the state level, uh, because we were uh, uh, parts of Senate Bill 1070 were discounted. However, they are still in the federal law. But in regards to the heart of the bill, that remained intact. That if they, as a, uh, a law enforcement officer uh, approaches anyone, they can ask for identification uh, if it's for uh, you know reasonable suspicion of some crime, and that's no different uh, than uh, what has been imposed upon Arizona forever. But with the federal government, they were trying to say that we were bigots and racists and we were profiling, et cetera, et cetera. And I went to great extremes uh, to put out a video and train all our law enforcement so that they would understand clearly what the federal law says and what the state law said. And uh, they, they can continue today to do that. That part of the bill, the heart of the bill was upheld. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this is where I get a little confused. I don't carry my U.S. passport or my birth certificate wherever I go. The best I have is a driver's license and a couple credit cards to prove who I am. Um, and and in, and in my state, you, you have to be a U.S. citizen to get a driver's license. Um, how, how does a person or any person prove that they're here in the United States legally? How do you do that? Well, for, well, for those that are traveling from abroad, from a foreign country, I mean, they wouldn't have their passport with them or their visa. You're um, absolutely right. Right. And it is a law in Arizona that you have identification if you're driving here in Arizona. And I would assume that if you were walking down the street, you would have some type of identification on you. It is a law uh, that you have identification on you when you're out and about. I know that we all sometimes run to the store, something we don't have it, but we're not out there under reasonable suspicion of breaking the law. Yes. So, uh, you know, if you're out there and you're, if they've got reasonable suspicion, they have every right uh, to ask you for identification. And if you don't have it with you, well, they will make accommodations to try to allow you to obtain uh, that identification. Mm-hmm. Uh, so know, then, what so what happens if you don't? So let let's say if you don't have the identification, let's say you do something that's suspicious, you cause law enforcement to ask you for identification, and you fail to produce any. Uh, then what happens? Well, they would probably allow you or I or someone out there to you know contact somebody at our home or somebody that knows us uh, to bring our identification to us. Right. Uh, you know, if you're not driving, you've got ID in Arizona. I don't know in other states if they have that, but we have where you get identification cards that, you know, you can carry around with you. So if you're not a driver, you still have legal identification. Right. So, okay, so I go, I call someone in my family, they come, and uh, but but if I am here illegally, I would assume then I'm, I'm under some kind of arrest. Well, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, and then I face some kind of deportation. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we hope that, does, that hasn't been happening much, but uh, that's what was the intent of the state law and Senate Bill 1070, and certainly the 
federal law. I mean, there are, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, they they have the right to determine what it is that uh, 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 the immigration laws are. Right, right, what the federal immigration laws are. Right. Now, we have to take our first break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back with more from Jan Brewer. You're listening to the Costa Report. If you listen to the news today, you might come away with the impression that our biggest challenges are political and economic. But if this were true, then countries which have different political and economic systems would be facing different problems. But they aren't. Every government and every nation is struggling with job creation, debt, immigration, climate change, terrorism, health care, energy, and wild swings in financial markets. So something else must be going on. That's why I'm inviting you to get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, a book which shows how the Roman, Mayan, and Khmer empires once faced similar challenges and what we can do to avoid their fate. Visit RebeccaCosta.com today and get a copy of The Watchman's Rattle, because once you do, you'll never look at the world the same way. If you're wondering what to do with all that data you're creating, do I have an offer for you? Tableau is drag-and-drop software that people of any skill level can use to analyze and turn data into something actionable. That's right, I said actionable. And isn't that what all that data is for? With Tableau, you can connect to any data in virtually any format and visualize it on the fly. Databases, spreadsheets, even big data sources are instantly combined into usable charts, graphs, reports, and dashboards. People can analyze data and drag drag and drop at 10 times the speed of a traditional business intelligence system. But the most impressive thing about Tableau is that anyone can use it. And just to prove the point, you can get a free 14-day trial from Tableau just by mentioning you heard this ad. But do it now, because this offer won't last. For your free 14-day trial, visit Tableau at T-A-B-L-E-A-U dot com slash Costa. That's Tableau.com slash Costa. Tableau Software. What's your data trying to tell you? The sun is high in the sky, which means it's time to get your RV and trailers ready to roll. Hi, I'm Rena Mills, owner of RV Service Center of Santa Cruz, your locally owned RV parts and repair center with over 38 years of service to the Central Coast community. In addition to RV repairs, our qualified staff services and maintains boat, horse, and utility trailers, in addition to toy haulers. We also restore vintage RVs and work hand-in-hand with all insurance companies to ensure Sure that your RV is restored to its original condition. RV owners, RV Service Center of Santa Cruz will now match your insurance deductible with a credit voucher for future parts and service. It's like you pay nothing for your insurance repair. Get your RV and trailers ready to roll with the help of your friends at RV Service Center. You'll find us easy to reach and easy to use at 2525 Mission Street, Cross Streets, Mission and Swift Streets in Santa Cruz. Call us at 831-427-0881 or RVSCSC. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report. I don't know if you feel a little sluggish in the middle of the afternoon like I do, but if you do, I'm going to suggest you try Pollen Burst. It's an orange-flavored energy drink that comes in a packet, and it tastes a lot like that other orange drink the astronauts used to drink. You know the one. Pollen Burst contains vitamins A, B1, B3, B6, B12, pantothenic acid, vitamin D3, and gluconolactone, all designed to give you an energy boost that can last for hours. Pollen Burst comes in a box of 30 packets for $56 or two boxes for $100, and you can order it right now at kscoteam.com. The next time you feel tired and need a little boost, skip the coffee, soda, or candy bar and mix up a cold glass of Pollen Burst and do your body some real good. Go to kscoteam.com.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former governor of Arizona, Miss Jan Brewer. And before the break, you were making the point that any citizen is required to provide identification when asked by law enforcement. So uh, extending this to illegal aliens, it doesn't seem like such a radical extension of existing laws. So if you don't mind, uh, Governor Brewer, what, what do you think all the media hubbub was about? Um, you know, they wanted to, in my opinion, uh, point out Arizona being racist and bigoted. I think the bottom line is, is that our federal government wanted our borders open. Obviously, they didn't want to close them or secure them. And so they just went after us with a vengeance. I mean, I they sued me. They took me to court. I didn't realize how it would impact me, but, you know, it was the United States uh, of America versus the state of Arizona and Janice Kate Brewer. But I will tell you this, Rebecca, that next week, Monday, the 18th, the Supreme Court has agreed to hear the argument uh, uh, in the United States v. Uh, Texas, and that case includes 26 states, including Arizona, Yes. Uh, to uh, um, challenging the Obama administration's the authority of them granting lawful presence for up to you know, how many million uh, illegal aliens, and this is a big case in it, you know, for, for its legal and political outcomes. Um, and it's about, uh, all about saying that uh, stopping uh, yet another uh, issue, an end run, if you will, that President Obama continues to do around Congress. Uh, you know, it's the constitutional authority of Congress to establish um, the laws, and they have. They've established elaborate Yes. Elaborate immigration systems governing which aliens can enter the United States and how long they can stay, which aliens must be removed. And uh, uh, the federal government and President Obama, they don't like Congress's immigration laws, mm-hmm. but they don't have the votes to change it. So his, his solution, obviously, is to uh, uh, pass his immigration proposal and continue to do everything by executive fiat and you know, they lack popularity. Um, it's ignoring the law. And uh, he just uh, continues to do everything by executive action. Mm-hmm. But the states, the states won this case um, uh, in the federal court in Texas, and it was affirmed by the Fifth Circuit. So uh, we'll see what happens in the Supreme Court. There's always a chance now with our Supreme Court being only eight that it could come down to a four by four which means that the injection would still stand um, yes. on the merits of the district court. So it's going to be a very, very important uh, case. You know, if it does stand, of course, I keep thinking there's always that possibility that an eight-member court might uh, order the case to be re-argued once a new justice is uh, appointed mm-hmm. if it's deadlocked. Now, uh, you're right, and we've got to keep an eye on, you know, how that ruling winds up going. Um some time ago, Arizona began erecting a fence along your southern borders in order to seal off that corridor we were speaking about earlier. And Border Patrol officers are claiming that it's it's working. But a lot of what we hear seems to be subjective. So do we have any real data that these fences or walls deter foreigners from illegally entering? Well, you've all seen the video, and I've seen it personally, you know, of the fences. They they go over the fences, yeah. go under the fences. And there are, in Arizona, large stretches where there are no fences. So our border is really uh, uh, insecure. It is uh, pathetic, and uh, we just uh, have to, I guess, according to the federal government, they want us to live with it. Well, the people of Arizona, and I think the people of the United States of America, are uh, set up. They're absolutely fed up, and I think that's why immigration now has become such a huge issue on the national level and in the presidential election. Mm-hmm. Uh, people people want our laws enforced. We all believe in the rule of law, and if you don't like the law, then change it. You know, change the law. Right. But, so we certainly need, and as a governor, I certainly had a responsibility, a duty and an obligation to uphold and defend the laws of the state of Arizona. And I did that, and that's what I exactly intended to do. Um, but it's hard when you're fighting the people that really are the people that are responsible. That's what I always said, you know. Uh, President Obama, do your job. I mean, I, <laughs> I pleaded and I begged and I, you know, I tried to 
communicate with him and all that. Well, unfortunately, with all due respect, Governor Brewer, you you were a little bit ahead of the rest of the states in terms of the difficulties you were facing. You know, there's always the state that gets hit the hardest and then everybody else wakes up a couple years later. And unfortunately, I think that the opening of that corridor uh, really created problems that were unique to Arizona. And unfortunately, you were first to the table. We were. We were absolutely, and we paid an enormous price for it, you know. Yeah, you did, and I I have to say, you know, it it has to be a little bit frustrating and at the same time feel like redemption now that the entire nation is talking about immigration. It does, and we can get it solved if we work collectively together, and we know that we've got to abide by by the laws. I've said that from the beginning, you know. We need to obey the laws, and if you don't like the laws, well, then change them. But especially now with the uh, the terrorists that are uh, are uh, out and about, uh, you know, we need our secure borders and we need a little bit more our safety for the people that live here. Mm-hmm. Well, now, how about people that are already here in the country illegally and have been here for years and years? Are you in favor of Mr. Trump's plan of if you aren't here legally, you have to leave and then petition to come back in legally? Well, I, you know, they, they broke the law, so obviously your heart goes in one direction, and then your obligation and responsibility goes in another direction. I, it's it's going to be very difficult. I agree that it's going to be very, very difficult. But those families, they came here illegally, and four children, they knew they were breaking the law. Mm-hmm. And, it wouldn't, and we all wouldn't be received in Mexico or any other country under those bases. But America um, has always been a welcoming um country, the United States of America, and but we just can't continue to allow that to happen. So the, for those that are here, you know, I believe that um, they will have to make a decision whether they want to leave their children here. Me, as a mother, I would take my children with me and come in the legal way. Mm-hmm. And, we do, and we do have to make our, our work visas uh, appropriately fit the business community here with agriculture and uh, hospitality and those jobs that those people fill a huge void. Mm-hmm. But we can do that. But nothing, nothing, Rebecca, is going to be resolved until the border is secure. That is the main goal. Get the border well, secure. that's right. It doesn't matter if you export people, no. if they can come walking right back in. <laughs> so right. so you, you do have to secure the border. And I think where... We, you and I have some agreement is I, I, I worry that a security issue keeps getting repackaged as a race issue, uh, you know, okay. and I, uh, to me, they're very separate things, but I think in a lot of people's heads, the, the cells touch in their brains, you know, the minute you start talking about immigration, uh, it, it starts to border on some kind of racism and, uh, and I, I, I don't see it that way, but, uh. Well, I don't either, and I think that, yeah, you know, they throw it out there because you get sort of defensive when people say that to you because those of us that were born and raised in the Southwest, I mean, we have multiple people that are in our families. As a of course. Of course. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's a very diverse population in your yes. state. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. We have to take okay. another scheduled break. We'll return after these brief messages from today's sponsors. You're listening to the Costa Report. Big data is being generated by everything around us all the time. Every digital process and social media exchange produce it. Systems, sensors, and mobile devices transmit it. Big data is arriving from multiple sources with ever-increasing velocity, volume, and variety. It's becoming the world's newest resource for competitive advantage, allowing decision-making to move from the elite few to the empowered many. The escalating demand for insights requires a fundamentally new approach to architecture, tools, and practices. To extract meaningful value from big data, you need optimal processing power, analytics capabilities, and skills. Find out how IBM Big Data and Analytics can transform your business. Visit www.ibm.com slash bigdata today. That's www.ibm.com slash bigdata. 
The Lunatic Farmer is coming to Santa Cruz with enough wit, wisdom, and humor to keep you on the edge of your seat all evening long. Join all your foodie friends for an evening with Joel Salatin, Wednesday evening, April 20th from 7 to 9 at the Rio Theater in Santa Cruz. Joel is the author of nine books, including Everything I Do is Illegal, and his family's Polyface Farm has been featured in numerous documentaries. Joel's defense of our right to feed ourselves will fill you with hope for the future. Don't miss Joel Salatin at the Rio Theater, Wednesday evening, April 20th from 7 to 9. Tickets at riotheater.com, riotheater.com. Jungle Plant Services brings the lush outdoors into your home or office space. They take over the worry of proper watering and rotation, so your plants always look their very best. Jungle Plant owner Dale Crable offers a nurturing plant service for her clients throughout Santa Cruz and Monterey counties. Jungle Plant is mobile and comes right to your door. Call to schedule a free consultation, 831-462-5806. See the vast selection of plants for your individual preference and space configuration. Jungle Plant Services include plant rental, a guaranteed weekly maintenance program, a vacation care option, patio color design, and individual potted plants for gift arrangements. Call now for your free consultation, 831-462-5806. That's 831-462-5806. You can also visit us at jungleplant.com. We've all heard the term baby boomer referring to those born from 1946 to 1964. There are an estimated 80 million baby boomers with the first wave hitting the Social Security and Medicare systems in recent years with more to follow. Many healthcare experts are predicting epidemics of Alzheimer's, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and cancer among this group. However, these impending epidemics can be averted, as there is a new group emerging. This group we call the baby bloomers, because despite their chronological age, they are still physically fit, active, working, and playing. They've heard Dr. Wallach's message regarding diet, lifestyle, and nutritional supplementation. So while many around them diminish in health and vitality, they are blossoming and blooming into vibrant, healthy, on-the-go people. Wouldn't you rather be a Longevity Baby Bloomer? For more information or to order, call Andy or Phyllis Anderson at 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. To build the best herd of animals or flock of birds, Farmer Joe Salatin selects the best and calls the rest. But is that fair? Join me, Michael Olson, Saturday at 9 a.m. as the food chain hosts the lunatic farmer from Polyface Farm, Joel Salatin, for a conversation about the building of a commercial herd. We'll ask how Joel became the lunatic farmer, how he uses farm animals to grow grass, and is cultural selection fair? It's you, me, and the lunatic farmer, Joel Salatin, for some What's Eating What Radio, Saturday 9 a.m. on the Food Chain. What day was that? Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, my guest today is the former governor of Arizona, Miss Jan Brewer. And I thought we could uh, switch gears here for just a moment, talk about the current primary race. There, there's no question that Donald Trump is the candidate who has made immigration and building a wall one of the hot topics of this year's election. I, I want to mention that you recently endorsed Mr. Trump, uh, yet in the most recent Real clear politics poll average. They show Mr. Trump trailing Mrs. Clinton by a minimum of 10 points in the general election. How do you think Mr. Trump can make up that difference? Well, I think once you focus on your opposition, you know, all of those demographics all change. Uh, They've been so involved now with the uh, primaries as as the Democrats, I think, that uh, once the the, the nominee is chosen, uh, we'll see a drastic uh, move on that needle. Yeah, one of the areas where your endorsement is likely to help him a great deal is with the women's vote. Uh, he continues to show poor support from women. Uh, to, right. Yeah, and to that end, uh, there are uh, quite a few rumors, particularly in the media, <laughs> that you are on a short list of vice presidential running mates for Mr. Trump. What can you tell us about that? I, I don't know anything about that at all whatsoever, and I don't think that I would would do that. <laughs> you, you mean your phone isn't ringing off the hook with people asking you that? <laughs> no, my phone is not ringing off the hook. Maybe I'm not answering, but, it, you know, speculation. There's a lot of speculation out there. I'm honored that uh, 
you know, people think that maybe that would be a possibility, but I, I'm not in that camp. I'm really not. I, uh, you know, I've had a long political career, and uh, I've served and I was honored to have been elected. I had 24-0 positive elections, but I think that Mr. Trump will serve us well, and I think that uh, when people really get to know him, they'll know what a terrific person he is. I know that um, the women vote is, uh, you know, a little shaky out there, but he, he is a very kind, thoughtful gentleman uh, when you speak to him. And I've known him for a long time. And um, he listens when you talk to him. So, you know, I think... But you have to believe that if you were his vice presidential running mate, you would be able to help him with the women's vote. Well, I would like to think that I could help him with his women's vote. You know, I, I would. I would. Of course, I would do that uh, in any capacity I could, not... Only if I was his his nominee as vice president, but you know he's got a lot of great talented people to choose from, and I don't think that he's even begun down that path to tell you the truth. Well, have you had any conversations with him or his camp about uh, possibly being a running mate? I have not. Well, then they better if they're listening to this show, they better get busy. <laughs> But, but, you know, you're prohibited from running for governor again in the state of Arizona, which almost seemed a bit unfair. I think I got that right. Yeah, well, you you only have two four-year terms, but of course I was appointed, and I was going to challenge it, and uh, I didn't, Uh, for whatever the reason. You know, I was having a big stir, and I'd been in office for 33 years. And I thought, well, I'll just let it go. I wish now sometimes that I maybe would have stayed. I know because I initiated so many good things that I would have liked to see through, follow through with them. But um, we're in good hands. We're in good hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, along the lines of uh, endorsing Trump, uh, outside of immigration, were there some other policies that uh, made you feel like you needed to go public with that endorsement and that you agree I- with him on? Yes, and let me say this, Rebecca, if I can. I know I knew every one of the candidates, some better than others, but I know them all. And I sat back and I watched, and I endorsed him because I believe he has both the vision and the ability to deliver on some of the biggest issues facing our country. You know, I don't look, I don't agree probably with everything on every issue, but I feel that uh, the most far-reaching and uh, consequential issues of our time, I do agree with them, like economic growth, you know, we've got to put policies in place that will grow our private sector, particularly, I think, small business, as opposed to the federal government, job creation, my goodness, I agree with him that, I don't know anybody that could, you know, deny him that, uh, mm-hmm. he needs to create new private sector jobs, do smarter tax structure, which he's put out his plan, and common, common sense, regulatory reform and sensible trade policy, and then immigration. Uh, Of course, I I agree uh, that we need our borders secured, and uh, he is committed to do that, and I think that he will get it done. I think that if he doesn't get it done, there's going to be a price to pay tremendously. Well, let me, but let me, let me twist this around a little bit. You're a person who came up through the ranks. I mean, you you started in the Arizona uh, representatives, Senate, Secretary of State, Governor. Uh, How do you feel about somebody walking into the Oval Office that has no previous government experience? Do you feel like that's a liability or do you feel like somebody needs to go in that is going to look at everything from a clean perspective? I think given the time that we are in right now is that we need somebody that understands economic growth and somebody that's a job creator and somebody that understands what regulatory reform does to the economy. And he's been in business and he has a stellar reputation of success in the private sector. And I think that he will surround himself like he has in the Trump organization with great people, people that understand the issues. And he was just on TV the other day saying that he wanted somebody that could go to Congress and work, you know, with Congress um, and run through the, the rat holes, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, work to work as a partner with him. And so that way you have the best of both worlds, um, an active working partnership. And I think that uh, he can handle it marvelously. I mean, you know, say what you will about being in politics. Yeah, experience does count sometimes, but uh, not always. It, not always. He's got all that experience and the things that we're lacking so 
severely now mm-hmm. uh, in the job creation and the economic growth and that, that, all those issues. So I think that uh, he's the best person that we could uh, choose, and I think he's a truth teller. And I think that's one thing that has led him up. Sometimes they might not like the way that he says it or how he says it, but he says it, mm-hmm. and he gets it out there. And, uh, of course, he's going to tone it down. I mean, you know, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time with him, and, and, and he is a gentleman, a total gentleman, and truly does respect women. Really, yes. truly well, does. Well, uh, I had the good fortune to have Mr. Trump endorse my book when it first came out several years ago, and I have to tell you that uh, I was very nervous to uh, meet him. <laughs> Because <laughs> I because I had heard all these things and and somehow the impression he gives to the public is a little bit different from the private Mr. Trump and I don't know how to tell him uh, to reconcile those two uh, but it would be a good idea if he did. Well, his wife Melania and the children are telling him to tone it down, tone it down, and I think we'll see that <laughs> toning down. But I think that it maybe will. Uh, you know, it'd be good when we get into the uh, general, because I think he'll call it like he sees it. And yes. I think that uh, his he, opponent he, and that, whoever it is, uh, needs to uh, answer to the things that everybody is thinking and the things that everybody knows about the uh, opposition. Right. Well, party. you cannot win a national election without getting the women's vote. A certain percentage of the minority vote, meaning a Hispanic and black vote. And you've got to get the independents. And I'm not sure the independents are quite sold yet. In fact, you have a large independent uh, voting population in Arizona. The largest is bigger than the Republican and the Democrat because we're a little free spirit over here. But most of the time, uh, but you know, he's brought a lot of independents in in open caucuses. Um, That's know, right. Of, of both parties, and particularly uh, independents, and he sure has woken people that are Republicans that haven't voted for years. They've shown up now. They've yeah, shown up. They, 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 they have. They have, and you know uh, that that is going to play just as important a role. The independent vote is going to play just as important a role as uh, the women's vote. Although the media doesn't seem to be talking about independents much, because I don't think they know what to say about us independents. They don't know which way we'll go. <laughs> I think New York. I think New York next Tuesday will show that Donald Trump uh, is uh, going in the right direction, and I think he'll come out of there with all the delegates. Well, we will soon find out. Now, we're going to take our final intermission. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Costa Report. Every day our world gets more complicated. Not only is new information coming at us faster than we can manage, new regulations, technology, and the effects of globalization have made it much more difficult to succeed. That's why I wrote The Watchman's Rattle, a book that, for the first time, explains how complexity makes it hard to separate facts from fiction and eventually causes us to make important decisions based on unproven beliefs. And not just us, our leaders also fall prey to this phenomena. But here's the good news. Once you know the symptoms to watch for, you can safeguard against them. So please, go to RebeccaCosta.com. That's RebeccaCosta.com. And order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. It only takes a few minutes and the shipping is free. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. Caraccioli Cellars recently celebrated their fifth anniversary of their tasting room. This is what Enophiles had to say. My name is Samantha Cooper. The wines are so beautifully crafted, and they're, they're, you take so much time and effort that goes into making it uh, four years to make one bottle of wine, and they're just beautifully crafted, and they come out so amazing. My favorite would have to be the Brut Rosé. It's very near and dear to my heart. It was my wedding wine, actually. They loved it. Edmund Benich. Uh, I love the cuvee. I love the sparkle. It tickles my nose. Sarah Hines. I've been drinking Caraccioli for five years, and I love it. You know, I'm across the board on this. I've been drinking their sparkling wine for some time, and I love them all. I entertain a lot. I enjoy entertaining using the Caraccioli wines. 
Visit the Caraccioli Tasting Room on Dolores Street in Carmel-by-the-Sea or find us online at caracciolicellars.com or reach us by phone at 831-622-7722. Hello, my name is Maria from the Santa Cruz Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I'm here to invite you to our upcoming free seminar on how to stop diabetes and heart disease for good. It will be presented by renowned expert Dr. Milton Teske, and it will be at 1024 Cayuga Street, April 16th and 17th at 5 o'clock. For more information, please call 429-1442. Sylvia Panetta again, inviting you to join us for the next event of the Leon Panetta Lecture Series. Secretary Panetta is discussing an America in renaissance or decline, the challenges facing a new president. Monday, April 18th, we'll focus on jobs, debt, and taxes with economic and financial experts Mitch Daniels, Austin Goolsby, and Ron Insana. What about our children's future? Will they have good jobs, a balanced budget, a strong economy? These are critical issues. Please join us. Call 831-582-4200. Have you noticed that food just doesn't taste good anymore? Why is that? If you eat food, you'll want to know this. Our fruits, grains, and vegetables contain less and less nutrition every year. Chances are even your organic plants don't have anywhere near the 70-plus minerals that make a plant healthy and delicious. Listen up, home gardeners, farmers, growers, and lovers of good food. This is Andy Anderson telling you that you can go beyond organic. Perk up your plants and revitalize your fields with blooming minerals from Longevity. This marvelous soil conditioner will remineralize your soil with up to 76 organically bound earth elements. That means healthier and better looking crops that resist bugs, mold, cold, and other nasties that can wipe you out. Commercial farmers are reporting faster growth, more yield, and higher brick scores. That means better tasting food for you and me. Get Bloomin' Minerals in powder and liquid form from a spray bottle for houseplants to 55-gallon drums for professional growers. Call us now to order toll-free, 888-245-0300. That's 888-245-0300. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is former governor of Arizona, Jan Brewer. Uh, GOP candidate Donald Trump was victorious in Arizona, a state where over a third of the population is Hispanic. Is that right? That's correct. And so there are a lot of analysts that are suggesting that uh, because of the heavy Hispanic voter population in Arizona, the state offers a template for how he might run a national election. Uh, They show that there were huge uh, levels of support, Hispanic support for you, Hispanic support Mm -hmm. for Sheriff Joe Arpaio, uh, even with your tough stance on illegal immigration. So can you speak to how you were both successful in rallying the Hispanic support in Arizona, despite your tough stance on illegal immigration? Well, you know, living in Arizona, I mean, we are uh, very uh, uh, exposed to the demographics. And we we live here with uh, Hispanics. We go to church with Hispanics. They marry into our family. Um, They're here legally, and they're working. And they want the same things that we want. And they believe in the rule of law. I can't tell you how many uh, Hispanic moms and dads come up to me, mothers and and, and uh, um, grandfathers and uh, walks of all life that are Hispanic, and they want our borders secured. They don't want the illegal activity going on. In then our why state. do we have an impression that Hispanics will not like uh, immigration reform? Well, why is why is this a? It's almost a meme that's being perpetuated by the media that anybody who's aggressive on immigration reform or border control is going to lose the Hispanic support. Well, because some of the media uh, and I include the the visual and the listening and the reading media, they point out these kinds of things that they want some population of our society to listen to. That if you do this, and then we're not that loving, kind country that we are. They want the open borders. They want the people coming across here, particularly of voting age, I might add, and um, to sway them into their uh, political persuasion. And the fact of the matter is, Rebecca, it's simply nothing but race baiting. And mm-hmm. they, put, they, want, they always continually want to put us on the defense. I mean, I'm not a bigot. I, I, I'm not a racist. I've never 
um, thought I'd ever be accused of something like that. But you go on with some shows that the population here in Arizona, they know what I stand for. They've known me for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, you know, and, I, and I'm proud of my reputation. But nationally, people think that if you don't agree to all these uh, things that uh, the federal administration wants to do, that it's because we hate these people. We don't hate them. We believe in the rule of law. And so do the Hispanics. Yeah, I have to believe that for the Hispanic population, it's a benefit to have illegals not in in the country because they're you know those that bothered to come here legally and uh, right. and and follow the law are lumped in now and they're subjected oh. to having to produce identification and they're you know it, it's a terrible thing to be lumped in. Well, if they're not, you know, I mean, if they're just walking down the street, they're not going to ask for the ask for identification. It's a reasonable suspicion if they're breaking the law, and that's what the law says in the majority of all of those states. And that's what the federal government says: reasonable suspicion. And our law enforcement officers are—they take an oath to protect and to serve. They're not out there on a witch hunt. They can't be out there on a witch hunt. People wouldn't stand for it. Yes. Particularly people in Arizona. We have such a close relationship to the border. Um, you know, we're not out to get legal, um, law-abiding citizens. We're mm-hmm. out there to stop the illegal activity and causing us to pay for it. I mean, we spent millions and millions and millions of dollars just, you know, on uh, health care, education, incarceration. Federal government supposed to give us cap dollars. They just simply don't do it. But I got involved in in politics over education, so I watched those budgets very, very carefully. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it, it's costed us a fortune uh, to uh, uh, educate all the illegal children. Uh, you know, and they, you know, that's what part of that is going to be. Well, uh, well, not just the education; all of the social services that are provided oh, as right. well, and and right. you know, the burden on the on the taxpayer. And I I understand that you know you you are elected by uh the voters and you have to look out for their greater interest and right. uh and sometimes that's going to require you to take a position which can be misinterpreted as as a racist position but i i really feel that what you were looking at was what was for the greater good for those voters in uh, in the state of arizona and i and i you know look i'm in the media myself you know, and I have I to, I, yeah, I have to, I have to call it for how I see it. And when I think, when I see the news being spun a particular way, uh, well, it makes me even more motivated <laughs> to, to get uh, guests on like yourself so that you have an opportunity okay. to explain that it's a security issue and it's e- an economic issue, you know. Absolutely it is. And, you know, and as governor, I had a duty and obligation to uphold defend the laws of the state of Arizona. Yeah, and um, I think when you tell people that, they understand. And if you don't like the laws, let's change them. Right. I mean, then, then there, when there is a method for changing those laws. So, right. going back to Mr. Trump, then I'm going to ask you a kind of a loaded question here. Uh, what advice would you give him in terms of courting the women's vote, the Hispanic vote? Uh, how could you use your experience in Arizona to give him some advice on how he might uh, earn the right to be elected by those groups? Well, I hate to give Mr. Trump any advice. He's done a pretty good job of, <laughs> of uh, leading the pack. Well, there. you could give it I to him. I'm not sure he'd take it. <laughs> I think that uh, uh, his wife and his uh, family have told him he needs to tone it down, but he needs to show the the, the kinder sight of him and uh, his how, uh, what a gentleman he really truly is and, and most people that have ever met him will tell you the same thing um, and that he is a good listener and that's what one thing that encouraged me to endorse him he was a great listener every time I've been with him and he, and he asked very provocative questions mm-hmm. uh, wanted to know the details and he is so smart he really is very very smart Yes, well, as someone said to me, they said Donald Trump doesn't know how to build a skyscraper, but he knows how to find the people that can build it. <laughs> so, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, there and, you go. Uh, and if you look at his family, his daughters and his wife, I mean, you know, they're the sweetest, kindest people in the world. And sometimes we are judged by the fruit we bear. Mm-hmm. And they give him all the credit, you know. So, um, you know, he needs to let that shine a little bit. But he certainly will let that shine, I'm sure. Uh, when he uh, gets in the presidential 
office, and we can call him Mr. President. Now, lastly, before we run out of time, do you have a website or social media page where uh, listeners can go to stay current on your activities? Absolutely. It's uh, Governor Jan Brewer on Facebook and Governor Jan Brewer on Twitter. Well, there we go. I am afraid that is all the time that we have today. But before we say goodbye, I want to take a moment to thank you for your service to our country. Thank you, Mrs. Brewer. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Hope you'll come back. I hope so. If your station is leaving us after the first hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Jan Brewer, you can email me at RebeccaCosta.com or drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. What are your feelings about immigration reform? Did Brewer, Sheriff Arpaio, the state of Arizona go too far? Or has the problem reached a point where it's stop it now or it's going to be too late? And what would you like to see the government do? Are you in favor of building a wall around the United States? Do you think the time has come where every person should be required to carry proof of U.S. citizenship or legal permission to be here? Send your comments to me at RebeccaCosta.com. I do not mind telling you that I have mixed feelings on this topic, and so uh, maybe a few of you can sway me one way or the other. And if you missed the full interview with former Governor Jan Brewer today, remember you can download episodes of the Costa Report from Apple iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, and also our website at RebeccaCosta.com. Costa.com. That's also where you'll find our newest blog posted. Last, week, last week's blog asks, what would happen if the next president of the United States worked the way our Congress does? If they didn't live in Washington, but flew in on Monday, worked only three days a week, and then flew home on Friday. Do you think partisan relations would improve or might grow worse under that scenario? To find out the answer, visit RebeccaCosta.com and click on the word blog at the top of the homepage, and uh, then you'll find our, our blog. We also have an audio blog that just got posted, so if you don't have time to read, you can listen to the blog. My guest next week is the former director of the NSA and CIA, General Michael Hayden, who will be here to talk about whether greater intelligence sharing could have prevented the attacks in Paris and Brussels, and what needs to be done to preempt future tragedies. Don't miss General Michael Hayden next week right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 